You're listening to More Than Talk, where each week we speak with faith-filled individuals who are influencing the world around them. As you hear their story, we know that you'll not only be inspired, but you'll be challenged to do more than just talk. Hi, I'm Rebecca Pratt, and today I'm talking with Christy Van Ness, who is the founder and CEO of Offspring. Offspring is an organization established to combat the injustices of human trafficking and break the cycle of re-trafficking for those living in India. Christy is passionate about social justice and education and is driven by her deep passion that every life should be treated with dignity and respect. She's a qualified teacher, inspiring speaker, risk taker and lover of all things adventurous. When I came across Offspring's website, the first thing I read was our story begun when we saw this need and recognised our ability to do something. This instantly struck a chord with me, as there are so many needs around us that can be met and we also have the ability to do something. And so we'll be discussing this in today's episode. I also want to let you know that there will be some confronting content shared, but I encourage you to lean in and listen as Christy's story is powerful and inspiring. So without further delay, please enjoy the podcast. Well, hi, Christy. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you? I am good. It's so good to have you join us today. And you are newly married. Congratulations. I am. Thank you very much. Pete is a very... marriage. Yeah. Pete's a very lucky man. And you obviously had a pretty interesting wedding. And I know it's not our main focus for today, but can you share briefly what your wedding ended up looking like? Yeah, well, we're meant to get married on the 18th of April and then when all the restrictions started coming in. So we we got engaged like in Feb in India. And so we're already having like a short sort of engagement to wedding period. And then when the restrictions came in um, and Scott Morrison said, as of like tomorrow night, you can only have five people. We were just, I was Mm. devastated. And Pete was in on the other side of Melbourne. I was in Geelong and we caught each other and we're like, do we want to get married tomorrow? And it was just like, let's do this. So we, um, amazing. we pulled it forward and my bridesmaids just went like crazy town organising, did everything so amazingly. And we figured let's get married in the Barwon River, like on surfboards, because we both enjoy surfing, enjoy the outdoors. But our celebrant was like, nah, you can't do that because like it's just going to be too much, too public, too many people around. So we had to get married in the back uh, yard of my parents' place, which wasn't what we originally wow. planned, you know, and it was sort of like, uh, and they got a pool. So I just said to Pete, let's just get married in the pool on our surfboards. Like, why not? We'd, let's do this differently because it just <laughs> is, it was so crazy. It happened so, like, we literally planned yeah. our wedding in eight hours. And, um, yeah, so I walked down, well, it wasn't really an aisle, but walked on the grass <laughs> towards the pool in my wetsuit and that is jumped amazing. in. So, yeah, it was such a special day in the end. I couldn't have planned it any better if we tried, I think. Oh, I love that. And it is a wedding to remember. And I just think that God's got his hand over your marriage. It's very exciting to see. Now, you are also the founder and CEO of the organization Offspring, which I'm very interested in hearing about. And this is something that we're going to look into today. So to start us off, what is Offspring? That's a good question. It's not the TV show. I'm not an actress, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, No, so at Offspring, we work with survivors of sex trafficking and we are predominantly, well, we are based out of Kolkata in India. And our whole sort of mission, vision is to break the cycle of re-trafficking and provide, I suppose, a holistic development program for these girls. Um, We've been in full operation with, with survivors of trafficking for four years. 
um, and we have a training center so we work with the girls and try and develop skills with them and we make product out of that and we have education every morning and we work with them one-on-one -on -one in their like emotional rehabilitation obviously they've gone through quite a lot um, so we mm. want to work with them in that and we also have a midway home uh, for girls that come to us that actually don't have anywhere else to live um, and so we provide housing for them and again that's to try and create and develop their own independence as well so that's that's it in a nutshell but we are fully locally run which is pretty amazing like i've recently just tapped out yeah. in a sense um, after living there for six years in kolkata just giving ownership back over to our team and empowering mm. them in running it so um yeah it's pretty amazing pretty crazy <laughs> it's good it is it's incredible and i went on your website recently and I noticed that it said our story begun when we saw this need and recognised our ability to do something. Could you please just explain what the need was that you saw when you went to India? Um, yeah, well, when I when I first went to India with the intention of, of starting Offspring and how that all came about is probably another whole podcast in itself. Um, but I went, you know, knowing that we were going to work with survivors of sex trafficking but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. So I spent a year at the beginning um, figuring out what the need was because, you know, in my head, mm. it wasn't just like, I want to go over and save the day and run with a plan that I had. And, you know, because I was, I was entering, entering a whole other world um, and I had to learn what was needed, not just what I thought in my Australian context was needed. And so yeah. I spent a year basically researching. I spent um, time in India. I spent time in uh, Greece with the organization called the A21 Campaign. And there was one survivor there that said something to me that really formed a pretty solid part of our model, which is the training center. Um, she had been trafficked from China into Greece and it was a whole one child policy. Um, for a family and they had a boy as well and it was like well what do we do with this girl and so she was trafficked um, because of that situation and she was with A21 and then it was like you know okay now and they said to her you're, you're essentially free like you know we feel like you're ready to go out and she looked at me and she just said but I'm still like a baby mm. and for me that was like here's this 21 year old who has grown up in a vulnerable family who was then in a, you know, trafficked, no education, no skill development, nothing like that. And now they're like free. And she's like, but what do I do? Um, and so I think there's, there's lots of organizations working with children. And for me, it was really the heart of those young adults um, for these girls that were like, but I'm still like a baby and I don't know what to do. And so that's where we want to go. Okay, well, let's try and help you figure out what to do and not go okay yeah we're rescuing you and now okay go yeah. when you don't have anywhere to go wow and so you obviously started offspring you founded offspring out of that what were the initial stages like so you did your research um, you spent a year sort of looking into the need but what were those beginning stages like of starting the organization did you have a team were you on your own <laughs> i was definitely on my own i um I've, I've literally got on a plane to india not knowing anyone on the other end um, wow. and so i remember being on the plane just freaking out because i was like yeah just what are you doing christy like this is insane um and so yeah i spent that year 
just talking, just trying to make connections, talking with different organisations, um, bouncing from, you know, hotel to hotel, basically, people's places mm. that I met randomly. And then I came back to Australia for a couple of months and then basically was like, yeah, we're going to set it up in Kolkata in India. And that's where I felt God was sort of placing us. And from there, I knew one person from that year before, one person in Kolkata. And so I just said, can I just stay with you for a bit? And yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have a team. I didn't have anything. So I just, I had to find a place to live first. And I had to get a, an Indian guy from that organization I was staying with to sign off on my contract because the landlord didn't want a single female just living in his house. Mm. So there were lots of, I suppose, little bumps. And then it was like, where do I get a staff member from? Like I'm living in a city with 17 million people, but where do I find that first staff member? I don't know. (laughs) So it's literally like one step in front of the other and a real slow process, which was really challenging for me. Mm. Um, But also look back at that and go, I know it was a slow process was a good thing because we really developed our model and and what we were doing well and didn't jump into it straight away. Yeah, and I think that's so encouraging for us as well because when people have this dream or this idea, they want to start Mm. something, it is slow to begin with. I think a lot of people look at it and think, oh, Offspring happened overnight and Christy's doing all this amazing stuff, but it started from just you by yourself going over there and just, yeah, taking one step at a time. What would you say some of your biggest challenges have been since founding Offspring and how did you navigate them? How long, how long does this podcast go for? <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> um, oh, stacks of challenges. I, I mean, just initially, just being in another culture in itself is full on and I've learned so much from that um, and appreciate what I've learned from it. But it's challenging. Um, but I think the the biggest challenge um, probably would have been the isolation. Um, yeah. Quite fitting for this time. But it was definitely going across and basically saying goodbye to my family and friends for I don't know how long. And yeah, I was coming back in between. But just being away from them physically yeah. and not having that support. Um, and it was funny because... I'd, I'd often have them try and just encourage my friends and like I'm just a phone call away like because you're on the other side of the world it's almost like you've got to set up this this meeting to be able to chat and so yeah it was me learning um, to be in isolation and I'm not an introvert so it, that was probably actually I think one of my biggest challenges definitely and amongst everything else seeing poverty hearing the girls stories um, all those challenges you know even just seeing dogs on the road with limbs you know like just constantly constantly having things thrown at you all the time um that yeah it it was it's all a challenge (laughs) such a different culture as well um but even with that feeling of isolation I know it may look different but many people are probably feeling that today with the current climate and I even you know have to constantly remind myself that when we're feeling isolated and we're feeling lonely we are not alone like we have God's spirit with us which is so comforting and it's just been so evident that you went over there and yes you were lonely but look how much God has just used you and used that situation for his glory Now, I know that Offspring is having an impact on many different people. And do you have one or two stories you can share of how someone's life has been changed through the work of Offspring? Yeah, definitely. Like we've had, um, you know, girls come through, some that have been with us for a few years now, others that have been with us for a short amount of time. But I'd say collectively the biggest 
the biggest impact that I think we have is just bringing value and worth back in these girls' lives um, because that's been stripped, uh, stripped of them. And I suppose that's data that we can't necessarily collect in terms of numbers or, you know, they've grown in this area of education. And, and that's everything we do is really important. But when they know they are genuinely loved, I think they start seeing themselves differently again. And that's where I love that turning point. And they know that we, we love them and we care for them. And it's like, oh, cause they've, haven't experienced that in their family homes in their in their lives and so i'd say probably just a story one of our girls um i'll call her asha which isn't her name but she was trafficked at four years old mm. and she was trafficked from the other side of india um into kolkata and from there was basically yeah groomed to the point of um, her family and she would call them her stepfather and stepmother into um, sexual exploitation and you know that may not have been at four years old we don't know what age that was but we know that she was you know definitely being exploited in her family life that she knew of um she was rescued at 15 years old and then she went to sort of different homes and ended up um yeah coming to us to work and i think yeah she's such a legend like Ah, oh, she's got such a quirky personality. We get along mm. like a house on fire. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. It's just, and I think just seeing it, that she knows that we would do anything for her. She knows that, you know, there's still boundaries, there's still rules, but she just knows that we value her as a person and you can see that in herself um, and you can see the respect that she's almost gaining for herself as well. And yeah, she's now in our home and we're just looking at her as different, like trying to increase her level of responsibility and leadership um, within, within the training center. Cause yeah, we know she's got it. And so just trying to empower them as well that that life that they did have, that they don't have to go back into it. Um, because some of the girls, we've had one girl come to us and she's basically said to us when I'm, when I'm free in a sense, when um, she's released from the child welfare committee of, of um, India, that she'll go back into it, um, meaning back into the red light area, back into the brothels, wow. because she felt like that's what her family, mm. you know, was wanted her to do. And there's so much respect on your family, um, or it's karma, or is there so yeah, and there's so many cultural rules around that, around that that she just thought that's just what she had to do until we were able to sort of go, that's not what you were made for. Yeah. Wow. And how many? Uh well, girls and guys are sort of a part of your, um, a part of offspring in India. So we've had 19 girls um, in the four wow. years. So we've been in full operation with survivors for four years. Um, and as I said, some have been with us longer than others. And then we've got eight staff members. So we've only got one male staff. Um, so as soon as the <laughs> conversations start turning girly, like around <laughs> boyfriends, girlfriends, marriage, all he's that out. sort of, he's out the door. <laughs> uh, I feel sorry for him sometimes, but it can get, you know, with a room full of women, it's, uh, you know, it's got to happen. So, yeah, but he's really... Oh, but that's awesome. Eight staff members. Yeah, so we've got caseworkers, trainers, vocational trainers who teach the girls a product mm -hmm. and how to use the sewing machines. We've got caseworkers who work with the girls one-on-one. We got our manager who's a gun. Um, we got Prem who does our finances, and we've got um, a lady who runs the Ahana home as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's a set up, little set up, and yeah, it's good. 
It's incredible. And Christy, I know we spoke about this the other day, but when it comes to our life and our sphere of influence, I mean, there's always a need that can be met, whether that be in India or our workplace or even our local neighbourhood. What would be your advice to us when it comes to meeting a need? Where do we start? What should we do? Yeah, that's hard. You've got to start somewhere. Uh, I think it's hard because the world can be pretty overwhelming at times. Uh, There's so many needs going on all around us, you know, not just overseas when we hear the stories, um, but in our neighbourhoods as well. And sometimes I think it is easier to do nothing and just keep living in our own little safety bubble because it's it's safe. Um, But we know that that's not where God calls us, what he calls us to do. Um, He calls us to step out of the boat, which is unsafe and is risky and is scary. but it's so important that we do that to meet these needs because God's asking us to see the needs and meet the needs. And that's going to look different for every single person because we all got different skills, yeah. different abilities, different calls. And I think in doing it, though, you, you need to make sure that we're seeking, you know, wisdom in that as well. That for me, it was like, mm. yeah, I felt that calling to go to India and work with survivors of sex trafficking. But I also talked to a lot of people along the way. I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a year of just talking to people and figuring out what that need is because um, it's easy to go, oh, I'm going to do this. And that in the end doesn't actually help. Um, and so, yeah, it's going, I don't know, listening to where God's calling to. And like I said earlier, that one step in front of the other for me was so important. And someone said to me once, you know, you've got this vision and you can see the vision ahead of you, almost like being in a dark paddock and you put a spotlight on an animal, say, you can see the animal, but you can't see all the steps in front of you. And that, that verse mm. in Psalm, that's like, your word is a light into my, um, a light, you know, to my yep. path. Yes. And <laughs> no, you know the one, everyone knows the one. Yeah, um, I know it. But it was sort of like if you literally had a lamp on your feet, you can only see the next step. And so you take that yeah. step. And then wow. when you take that next step, you can see the next step. And for me, that was exactly what it was like. I could see the vision, but meeting the need and seeing exactly what God wanted me to do, make sure that we were effectively meeting the need, um, was taking one step in front of the other. I love that. And it is, it's even even in our neighborhoods, it's just having one conversation or jumping around, I don't know, some food to your neighbour, whatever it looks like. It's just yeah. one step leads to another. Yeah, and asking them what they need. Yeah, yep, definitely. I think we can easily think that we know the need and we are the solution, yeah. but to actually stop and listen yeah. first and ask them how we can meet their need, that exactly. is so powerful. Well, as we wrap up, Christy, where can we find out more about Offspring? If someone wants to get involved or donate, where can they find you? Yeah, obviously we've got the website, we've got the social medias. <laughs> um, so if you Offspring Project on Instagram and Facebook and then offspringproject.org on our website. And so, yeah, heaps of like, I suppose, photos and stories and exactly what we do in more detail there. So you can check it out. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, Christy. And you are honestly the embodiment of what it is to do more than talk, which is our podcast. And I even think of Nehemiah in the Bible. It just came to me who rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. And initially when he found out about the wall being broken down and how vulnerable the Jewish people were, he could have just stayed where he was. He could have just left the people, but instead he decided to take annual leave and he went to Jerusalem. He gathered the people there and he 
rebuilt that wall and that's what leadership is and just when I think of you Christy that's what you're doing you went out of your way you could have just stayed in Melbourne in Geelong but you went to India you gathered the people over there and now you're rebuilding the lives of these women and men and so we are just so grateful for you honestly the world is a better place because Christy is in it so thank you so much for sharing today and we'll be praying for everything that's to come for Offspring Thank you for listening to another episode of More Than Talk If you know of anyone that's making a difference in their world we would love to have them on the podcast so please message us via Instagram at morethantalk underscore podcast We also would love for you to join our community. So follow us, subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast around, as we believe these stories will not only inspire, but challenge us to do more than just talk.